0: Well, I hope you had the opportunity to go to Night at the Lot. Anybody make that this last weekend, Friday? Yeah. It was so much fun. Uh, I, I went to the one in Prior Lake, and that was really cool. But to see it happen in our own uh, lot this Friday was just super encouraging. Uh, for those of you in family ministries, we just want to take a moment and thank you. Well done on that event. We really appreciate it. Yeah, super cool. I was, I was excited to see how it all played out, and uh, let's see, today it's been 11 months and three days since I started here, and you may be saying, why, why did you bring up that date? Well, here's why. I have tons of excuses. They're great excuses. Maybe you've heard of COVID, and um, you know there was a season with masks and stuff like that, and um, Where am I going with this? Here's where. I know a lot of your faces and some of your names. I know some of your names and and don't associate faces. I'm telling you this as a true confession, okay? So I really don't like that as a pastor. I I don't like that I'm not associating names and faces. So I need your help. If you could help me be a better pastor, I would appreciate that. And here's, here's what we can do. We have some Polaroid cameras here today. Did you guys know that they still have Polaroid cameras? This is new to me. I was super excited about it. Uh, But we have Polaroid cameras there in the River Room. And if you're wondering where the River river Room is, it's right across the hallway. At the end of the service, we're going to ask you to go in there, if you would be willing to, uh, go in there, have your picture taken. We're not posting on... Facebook, nothing. I'm not going to use it against you later. On your birthday, we're not going to flash them up here and embarrass you. Nothing like that. Uh, But what they're going to do is they're going to take your picture and they're going to put your name on there. And then my goal by uh, fall kickoff, which is September 12th, is to memorize everybody's name and faces. So that's my goal. Uh, If you could help me do that, I would be a better pastor. I would, I would just really appreciate it. That that would be sweet for me. Along with that, and you might be thinking, well, you already know who I am, Kenny, so I'm not going to do that, and I appreciate the sentiment, and I understand it, but one of the things I love to do is to do prayer walks, and so what I'd like to be able to do is look at your picture, pray for you and your family on there, uh, go to the next one, pray, so if I could have that in hand, that would be super helpful. Uh, Again, it's across the hallway. At the end of the service, we're going to ask you to go in there, get your picture taken, uh, they're, going, they're going to write your name down. And I'll give one more instruction. If you pronounce your name, maybe in a way that isn't exactly the way your name looks. So here's an example. Let's say your name is pronounced Anna, but you spell it A-N-N-A. Would you tell them that so phonetically we can do it the right way on there? And, and when I see you, I can go, oh, hi, Anna. And instead of, oh, hi, Anna. And then you're like, what a loser. You don't even know the names. That would that would be sweet, and then just to stir the pot, I'll tell you what. If I get all the names right, on September twelfth, uh, let's shave Matt's head. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't even know that I said that, which will make it even more fun. We'll tackle him. It'll be like a sheep shearing. Uh, it is so much fun. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I would appreciate that. That would help me out tremendously. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks for letting me be uh, one of your pastors here at Friendship. Uh, I love it. I'm, I'm loving our time, and I'm excited for what God has for us. That was a super weird intro, so let's pray and jump into the Word. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you and praise you. You are good all the time, and all the time you're good, and we recognize that. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your word is holy, and it's given to us in a transformative way by the work of your Holy Spirit. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus, there is transformation that can occur. And Lord, as we talk today about this matter of self-control, I ask that you would help us to move beyond behavior modification and into spiritual transformation, that we would be able to identify the the king on the throne of our heart, that it would not be us, but that it would be you. So, Lord, as we come to this place today, I ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, that you would move in our spirits in such a way that there would be transformation. When we leave this place, it would be different than the way that we came in. And we just uh, we just lean into you for that, Lord. We look forward to that. We come with anticipa- anticipation in the power of your word today for your glory. Be exalted here today, O Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 So the question that we're wrestling with today is who or what uh, controls us? Who or what controls us? Now, uh, that, that question Just immediately, we want to say, well, I do what I want, right? Like, I control me, and that's what we're going to dig into. We're going to see that, uh, are we controlled by mm, behavior modification? In other words, I do this because I want to, and uh, the consequence of this action isn't that bad? Or, are we controlled in a spiritual way by King Jesus, We allow Jesus to have his work in our lives and in our hearts. That's the question we're going to be wrestling with throughout our time. We'll be in Proverbs uh, chapter 25 and chapter 16. Uh, Those are going to be up on the screen. A little bit later, we have some additional, some supplemental passages that won't be up on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, you'll want to get them out, get them ready, uh, warm yourself up, get ready to go, because we're going to look at a few passages together. Uh, So let's jump right in. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines self-control as restraint exercised over one's impulses, emotions, or desires. I'll say it one more time. Restraint exercised over one's impulses, emotions, or desires. So how do we know that we're maybe lacking self-control? Sometimes uh, it's easier for other people to see it than for us, but... uh, I was able to identify some things that maybe would be helpful for us, some tools that as we look and go, okay, am I I living in self-control or am I not? Uh, I have some things that maybe will help us. Here here are some tools. So, do we have little or no self-discipline? Do we have a lack of goals or inability to reach our goals? I I think of uh, New Year's resolutions. How many of you ever do that? Like, like, every year, I'm like, okay, New Year's resolutions, I'm ready, here we go, I got this list, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail it, and then January 2nd comes, and there's still leftovers, and it's early in the morning, okay, you get the point. Low motivation, little to no willpower, difficulty controlling emotions, lack of attention, quick to blame others, difficulty maintaining friendships, and dangerous or overpassive lifestyle. These are identifiers of a lack of self-control. Now, we're going to look at self-control. We're also going to look at Christ control. So uh, get ready for that. We're in Proverbs, and let's go to Proverbs 25, 28 first. And what we're going to do is um, uh, we're going to look at at the the allegory that's given here, and we're going to do some compare and contrast and see if we can better understand what is being stated here, and then we're going to move backwards to Proverbs 16, and we're going to look at a supplemental passage that goes along with it and, and, and connect some dots. And then we're going to pull away, and as we pull away, we're going to look at this issue of control of ourselves and ask some harder questions. Who is controlling uh, the throne of our heart. Who is sitting there? Who is seated at the throne of our heart? So we're go- we're going to we're on this path together. We're going to jump into it. Let's read first of all Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. This is what it says: A man without self control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And we read that at first and go, hmm, that's interesting. I think I get the gist of it. Uh, okay, so the comparison is. For a person, they're like a city, and a person who doesn't have self-control is like that city who has been broken into, and the walls have been destroyed. We don't have too many walls around us, but when we look at the ancient world, we might see some uh, examples like this. You can imagine, what would it take to knock those walls down? Uh, It would be significant, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be a bigger deal than maybe what we think in our current context and in the West. But walls were significant, and they were significant for reasons. And so, let's pause and ask another question. And the question is, what were cities in the ancient world? When Proverbs were written, what did they mean by a city? Well, let's talk about that. So, a city, first of all, belonged to a kingdom. So, Each city belonged to a bigger kingdom. There was a ruler of that city, but that city was under the authority of of an entire kingdom. And that kingdom had a king. And that kingdom is ruled by that king. And the king reigns over his kingdom by making laws for his subjects. Now, in some contexts, that king had ultimate power to just say, this is the law, and make it just by a verbal decree. In other settings, they would have to pass through a, a series of, um, uh, of groups of individuals, and then the law would be passed. So uh, there's, there's a little bit of a difference, but you get the gist of it. A city is in a kingdom. The kingdom is ruled by a king in the ancient world, and that king had the authority to pass laws that ruled his subjects. And then... Uh, by implication, a city without walls is being conquered by another kingdom. If a city didn't have walls, then that just meant any army could come in. Any army that was strong enough could take over, could overpower the city and transform the authority uh, from one kingdom to another. So here's the idea. Just, just again, so you were aware, so you're aware of it. If you were uh, a city in a kingdom then you had some responsibilities. One of those responsibilities might be that you would send some of your young men or all of your young men to be in the military for a certain season. So as uh, as a city within whatever kingdom, you would send your young men into that. Consequently, that military would also protect your city. Additionally, you would send taxes. So your taxes would be sent to a kingdom and that Kingdom would oversee the of the king rather, would oversee the taxes and make sure it was spent in such a way that the cities within the kingdom were protected. That's the idea. So when we read this passage, a man without self-control is like a city. Just pause there. It's like a city. What, what did it mean to be a city? Well, what it meant was you were in a kingdom. What that meant was you were under someone else's authority. What that meant was there was a king who made laws, rules that governed you that perhaps you didn't get to speak into. And then additionally, there was an assumption that your city would have walls that would protect you from other kingdoms trying to conquer you and transfer power. So that's the the gist of it. A man without self-control is like a city, broken into and left without walls. So without self-control, it's like any kingdom can come in. Any person can be conquered if they don't have self-control. We're going to dig into this a little bit more in just a few moments, but I want to look at another passage also. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Proverbs 16.32, Proverbs 16.32, uh, we're going to look at this passage and make another comparison. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is than he who takes a city whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city so the emphasis here is on the warrior so there is a warrior so somebody who can control their spirit who's not out of control who's who's not swayed by their emotions in the moment they're, like, they're better than the warrior. But what about warriors? What do we know about warriors in the ancient world? Well, there are a few things. And we'll point those out just at, at a cursory level. What about the warriors? Well, first of all, they serve at the will of a king. So a warrior uh, serves within the military, and they serve for the will of a king. Whatever that king wills in terms of military advancement, uh, that's what that warrior will do. The warrior is completely committed to training for battle. There, there is a uh, an expectation that you are all in, and from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed, you are training and preparing for war. And then finally, they're willing to do whatever it takes to win a battle. Uh, one of my favorite stories, and this, this is a story that comes from antiquity. Uh, it, it's hard to know, is this, is this a real story or is this a fable? We're not really sure, but it is a story about Alexander the Great and the principle I think you'll get. And here's what happened. Uh, here's the story. Alexander the Great went, went to conquer a city. And in going to conquer the city, the city had more warriors by at least double of what Alexander had. Also, the city was walled. Alexander was at an amazing disadvantage, as you can imagine. So, Alexander asks to see the king. And the king comes out and basically says this. We have more warriors than you, and we have a walled city. Why would we surrender to you? And Alexander turned to his, his, uh, his army and made a motion. And they lined up in front of a cliff. And he made another motion, and one by one, they started to walk off the cliff. One person, two people, three people, four people. Got to around nine, and Alexander stops them. You imagine the the thankfulness of the tenth person. They turn around, they go up behind Alexander uh, and surround him. And Alexander says, this is why you should surrender, My men are completely committed to winning. The king surrendered. The idea here is that in the ancient world, they were willing to do whatever it takes to win. That's the implication of being a warrior. Now earlier, uh, the Proverbs 25, 28, let me go back to that real quick. Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control, let me pause there. It's a unique passage. It doesn't quite come out like that in Hebrew. It says it a little bit different. It says, uh, one who controls their spirit. Now, the idea is controlling yourself, your full body, your entire being, spiritual, physical, everything. That's the idea. So self-control isn't a bad word here, but it kind of is. Uh, because we have this idea in the West of self-control. I can just do what I want when I want. I can... Uh, I can. Uh, choose to be obedient, and we have this uh, problem in the West of behavior modification. So what I'd like to do uh, is change our mindset a little bit and stop using the idea of self-control and start talking about Christ control. Does Christ have control of who I am? Uh, That's the shift that I would like to make. Now, uh, some of you grew up uh, perhaps similar to to me. I grew up in in an Irish-German community. On my dad's side was Irish, my mom's side is German. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that because I was imprinted with how to respond uh, to anger. Uh, I was imprinted on what it looked like to be self-controlled. And let me explain it to you. This isn't justification. I'm just explaining. On my Irish side of the family, it was like this. When something happened, boom, everything blew up. I mean, people got mad just like that. Short triggers, and they would, they would yell. They would get to the point, you cannot ever do that again. And then it was like it never happened. Oh, well, so what's on TV? We're like, you're, you're nervous. You're shaking, right? Whoa, what just happened? That was my Irish side. Then my German side, they didn't blow up. They just held grudges forever. Like, that reminds me of when you were three. Do you remember that? Like, actually, Grandma, I have no recollection of being three. Um, uh, But the point is that that was a pattern that we began to live by, a natural pattern. And we get into these natural patterns and and call that, we normalize it, right? Like, that's normal. Normal. But when we talk about Christ's control, we're talking about something a little bit different. And so let's take this now and let's look and ask the question, does Christ have control of our city? So uh, of ourselves, of our complete being, does Christ have control of that? And, and let's walk through it together. And here's where we're going to start getting into some supplemental scriptures. So if you have your Bible or if you have it on your phone, uh, go ahead and open up. We're, we're going to first go to... Uh, let's go to Galatians uh, chapter 5 uh, as you're turning there. So does Christ have control of our city? The first question, to what kingdom do we belong? Now, oftentimes when we think of this in in terms of church, we think of like, uh, okay, uh, Satan and God. And, and that's rarely referred to. That's, that's generally not the juxtaposition that's given, though there is a spiritual battle, and we'll talk about that in a moment. There's another juxtaposition that is most often referred to, most often. And I want to identify that. So to what kingdom do we belong? If you have your Bibles, we're in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, let me pause there. So one kingdom is the flesh. We're in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The flesh. The flesh is one kingdom that we have to be careful of. And what that does, in essence, is the throne of our heart, it sets ourself on it. It sets ourself on it, okay? So in the flesh, I'm the king. I do what I want to do the way that I want to do it when I want to do it. And here's the terrible part of that. I sometimes justify it with spiritual words. And that's bad. So let's look at this. What, to what kingdom do we belong? The flesh or Christ? In verse 19, it says it this way. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And now we're going to get a list. So I'd like you to identify this list and maybe ask yourself, do I, do, do I lean into this list? Is this list a value that I have when I make decisions, or when, I'm, when I'm trying to discern God's plan? Uh, are, are these values that sway me? Uh, so here they are. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So here is, uh, now we see it. Either the flesh, myself, I'm on the throne, or the kingdom of God, Christ, is on the throne. When you read that word, kingdom of God, uh, one way to translate that mentally is to say the reign of God. So the reign or the rule of God in our lives. When when you see that idea of or that phrase "kingdom of God," so here is a list. Are these things values that help me to discern God's will? If if so, then our flesh is what's on that uh, throne. That's a problem. If you if you would go ahead and turn to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight and. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. And in verse 6, we get maybe an even clearer picture. It says it this way. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Now, we know from previous studies that the idea of death here is separation from God, from God's goodness, God's blessings. When we choose to walk in the flesh, then we're choosing to walk in sin. When we choose to walk in sin, then we're separated from God. And what we get paid out is death. Anybody just going, you know, I need more death in my life. Probably not. Probably not. If that's the case, and you don't want more death in your life, then, you need, then we need to make sure that our flesh is not what's on the throne uh, in our heart. So it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Yeah, I think I want life and peace. Uh, I could sure use some life and peace in these days. And so when we ask uh, this question, Sorry, let me get back to where we're supposed to be. There we go. To what kingdom do we belong? Yep, there's a spiritual dimension we're going to talk about in a moment, but there's also a real issue of the flesh. Um, my flesh, it gets in the way, and it wants what it wants. But the Spirit offers life and peace. Let's dig into that some more by asking some additional questions. Uh, what king rules us, self or Christ what king rules us, self for Christ. And um, at the end of September, we'll be offering a seminar. It's called Resolving Everyday Conflict. I know no one in here has ever had conflict, so it probably won't be a big deal for you. But there are some people who have had conflict in their life, and for those people, this will be really good. But one of the things that we address is the matter of idolatry. So all of us have this tendency to make idols. Uh, That's It's that throne again. What are we going to put on that throne and often itself? And so when we're asking what rules us, we're asking some other questions like, what makes me angry? Uh, Do I get angry over righteous things or do I get angry over petty things, things of the flesh? Uh, If it's petty, then probably I'm ruling on the throne in my heart. Um, We're asking some other questions like, What would I be willing to lie about to get my way? We don't like to use those words, so we do things like this. I just didn't tell the whole story. Oh, you mean you lied? No, 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 no. Let's not say that. Uh, I just didn't tell the whole story. Yeah, that's called lying. Um, Or uh, I I, I just didn't feel like they needed to know everything, so I, I held that back. Yeah, again, what are we willing to lie about to get our way? that might be an identifier that who's sitting on the throne of our hearts is the flesh itself. So, here we go. Are we subject to Christ's law? Here are some. Uh, In Matthew chapter 4, Christ calls his followers to repentance. What repentance means is we're walking down a path and our mind is changed that this path is not the right path. So, we turn from that path and turn towards God. Our minds, we are fixed on Jesus. Not, okay, well, I won't use, uh, uh, let's, I don't know, I'll just make up a, I'm not going to use uh, drugs to uh, medicate myself. Uh, self-medication, I'm not going to use drugs. That's bad. I'll just use alcohol. Okay, well, that's probably not, well, okay, I won't use alcohol, I'll just use food. no. Repentance is turning from that and turning to Christ. Uh, It's different. you see it? you see it? Good. All right. Are we subject to Christ's laws? One of those things is repentance. Another thing that Christ calls us to in Matthew 28 uh, is to share the gospel, that we would be gospel proclaimers. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then Jesus says, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 4, again, he says, follow me. Are we following Jesus to those places uh, that he's leading us? Knowing that he's already in that place. He's already gone before us. He is there. And we're following him to that. And then finally, is our city fortified? I'd like you to go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 6 and 7 to talk about this fortified city. It says it this way. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says it this way. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Then it says, rooted and built upon him. It's kind of like fortified. And established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What a, what a great word, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, in, in our tradition, uh, once a month, we get together and, and we have communion, or uh, the Lord's Supper, we'll sometimes call it. Uh, for hundreds of years, uh, and in some faiths today, they refer to communion as the Eucharist. And the Eucharist just simply means thanksgiving. The idea that when we come before the Lord, we are thankful for the body that was broken for us. We're thankful for the blood that was shed for us. And we we remember that. Uh, That is an identifier that we're rooted and built up in Christ because we're thankful for the things that Jesus has given us. It's a difference in behavior modification. I'm just not going to do this because I don't like the consequences. Versus a transformation of God's work in our life. I do this because I love God. I, I want God to be exalted in this. It's a little different. Let's keep going. Now, in this one, I know earlier we, we saw uh, the Proverbs 16 passage as a warrior, and so you might be saying, well, why aren't we saying does Christ control our warrior? Because ultimately, what that warrior is doing is serving the king. So service is probably a better word, at least for us culturally, to understand, are we, are we serving the Lord? So let's look at these. Uh, where do we spend our time? Is it, uh, is it at the will of Christ? And, and this is, um, this can be a, a problem discussion, and I'll explain why. Uh, and I get pushback, and probably rightfully so. I, like, I don't disagree with this pushback, and here's what I get. Uh, when, I, when I ask the question, where are we spending time, it's, I, I get this response sometimes. Well, you're a pastor. Of course, you're going to spend time in the Word. You have time to do that, and you get paid to do that, and you should do that. And guess what? You're right. But um, the idea that, that just because we're not pastors or that that's not our full-time job uh, justifies us not following God, uh, that's, that's wrong. That's a myth. And so here's what I mean. Uh, sometimes we look at Christianity in terms of, okay, so this, uh, this aspect of my life is religious. And this aspect of my life is secular. Well, to the Christian, that, that's, that's not the way that we look at things. Um, this is, uh, our lives are holy. They're separated for the glory of God. And so whether we're pastors or plumbers, it's all to the glory of God. Uh, That's what Colossians 3.23 teaches us. Everything we do is to the glory of God. So if you're a school teacher, but you can't talk about God, that's okay. Uh, It's still to the glory of God. Our lives are committed to him. Uh, That's the idea that Romans 12 tells us, that our lives are a living sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, And it's a good reminder. So where do we spend our time? If we were Uh, If we had to do a self-audit of our time, would we be able to identify that our time is being spent for for Christ or for ourselves? Who's on the throne of our heart? Again, this isn't to shame anybody. That's not what this is about. And I'll tell you that even as I prepare these messages, I'm going, okay, Kenny, there's some calibrating that needs to happen. I want to stay tender to the Spirit of God and His Word in this. And we all should. Next question. Are we purposefully being equipped for battle? Are we purposefully being equipped for battle? I have a good friend of mine. uh, He's a realtor. And this realtor, he does this when he wakes up in the morning. He goes, Jesus, thank you for this day. I dedicate it to you. Then he stands up. And when he stands up, he starts here and he goes, Lord, help me to walk with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, let me be... Uh, belted with the re- or with the belt of truth with my feet the readiness of the gospel of peace Lord help me to walk with the sword of the spirit and shield of faith he puts this armor on every day when he gets up because he recognizes <laughs> that this is a real battle and it's a spiritual battle if you have your bibles go ahead and go to ephesians chapter six let 's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, if you're wondering, that's page uh, 1097 in my Bible. I don't know what it is in yours, but uh, that's where it is in mine. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 11. And this is what it says. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. In other words, uh, we're talking about the flesh, and we recognize the flesh is going to work. that uh, The the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, that's going to happen. That's, we're going to be confronted with that. But there's also the schemes of the devil, and he steals, kills, and destroys. That's what the devil does. That's his job description. Uh, and we need to be protected for that. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood with which you can extinguish all the flames, uh, flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is a spiritual battle that we're in. Uh, We live in a physical world, but we're a complete being, and this complete being is spiritual and physical. And and, and we have to be uh, willing to submit control of that to Christ. So, uh, final, are we willing to do whatever it takes to win the battle? In a couple of weeks, um, we'll have a Vision Sunday. Both campuses will be here. Matt and I are, are going to do a tag team sermon. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's also, I think, going to be educational. and One of the things you're going to hear us talk about uh, is discipleship. We're really pressing into discipleship and growing in the Lord and, and uh, spiritual disciplines. And that's not to scare anybody and it's like uh, uh, not an, an intimidation. We're walking in this together and, and there are uh, a lot of veins to this. In other words, there's lots of ways that we can work through discipleship and we'll talk about it uh, here in a few weeks. But are we, are we willing to do whatever it takes? Are, are, are we willing to surrender to Christ's work in our lives, to do what it takes to, to get in his word and to read it, to spend time in prayer and surrender to the work and will of God? Uh, it's, it's a big ask, but the cross was a big ask, and Jesus went to the cross for my sins, for your sins, for our sins, and for anybody who would call on his name, he gives the right to be called children of God. And it's an amazing gift that we get. And so, uh, in just a moment, the, the worship team's going to be coming out, but I, I want to spend just a few moments and talk about these two things. And I want to ask you to wrestle with these, to be honest with ourselves about these. The first, the first piece of this, this idea of self-control is really uh, the idea of Christ control for the believer. And for Christ to control it, we have to ask the question, which kingdom are we in? I recognize that we can be uh, children of God and kind of live in the flesh and, and live in the reign of God. Like, we can do that dance. Now, if we do the flesh side, that gives us death. If we follow Christ, that gives us life and peace, as the scripture says. But where are we at? Where are we at? Which kingdom are we logging our hours? Have we surrendered to Christ as our Savior and Lord? As our Lord and our Savior? Are we there? That's the first question. The next one. A call to full-time service. Now when I say that, uh, I I believe that meets everybody in this room. Because a call to full-time service doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor. It doesn't mean you have to be a ministry director. It doesn't mean that you have to work for a church. It doesn't mean those things. It doesn't mean that everything that we do is for the glory of God, right? It's, our world is not secular uh, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. It's not secular. Uh, it's holy. It's set apart for the work of God. And, and so there's a, there's a call in our lives to serve him. Now, I also want to be really clear about the other piece of this because I, I don't think this is happening enough, en- enough. And in fact, I'll just tell you, in the evangelical world, pastors are falling... <laughs> They're falling right and left, and it's, it's breaking my heart. If you've been watching this, you're seeing these, these pastors who are uh, losing their faith and who are leading others down that path. It's heartbreaking. We need men and women who are willing to stand, uh, who are willing to follow Jesus, uh, who are called into ministry, and who are willing to serve in full-time ministry. And so if that's you, I want to challenge you to consider that and embrace it. Um, and you may be saying, Ah, Kenny, I'm, 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 I can't go back to school. I'm, maybe I'm retired. I don't know. Perfect. God wants to use you right where you are. Maybe you're saying, School's not my thing, but Kenny, I, I, I think maybe God does have a call. Let's talk. Let's work that out because I, I, I think that God's creative. I think his spirit can work. I, I think we're not bound by our current circumstances when it comes to following him, if that's you. I want to encourage you to wrestle with it. In just a moment, we're going to receive our offering. But before we do that, I I want to pray for you. I want to pray about Christ's kingdom in our lives. And I want to pray about full-time service. So be willing to receive this blessing for you. Uh, Jesus, we need you. And we praise you. We thank you, O Lord, and ask Almighty God that you would have your way in this place. And so the first thing that I want to do, Lord, corporately is repent. There have been times when we have been walking down the path of flesh and self, and Lord, we come before you today, and we ask for you to forgive us. We know that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, but the reality is uh, there have been times when we've sinned against you, so Lord, we're asking for forgiveness, and Lord, we're asking that you would be king of our hearts, that you would sit on the throne of our hearts and rule that that lord there would there would be no secular in our lives but that everything would be sacred and there may be some here today lord who are wrestling with a call to full-time ministry would you clarify that would you help lord uh, for for those who are sensing that call to be faithful and to respond in faith. And, and Lord, I recognize what I'm saying. I recognize, Lord, that what I'm asking in some cases is going to mean a, a decrease in pay. I recognize that what I'm saying might move locations. Lord, I recognize what I'm saying for some. It, it, it might also be a, a, a challenge to die to self in some real ways. And so, Lord, I, I pray for that. I pray for uh, that to be received even now and that you would be glorified and that you would be lifted up in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray and all God's people said, amen.